Welcome to the Sport Exchange with me, John Robbie. Hi guys, welcome to the Sport Exchange podcast where we meet sporting personalities and learn about their lives and their life stories. There are two types of scrum half, the mercurial, spectacular, explosive kind and the steady, controlling kind. Which is better for a team? Well, today we meet a Springbok who seems like the latter, but who still scores his fair shares of tries, including a fabulous one on international debut against France. Uh, welcome, Ross Cornier. Ross, finally we've got you in. <laughs> we've messed you around a few times. Great to see you. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. How is the injury? It's coming along nicely. Uh, it's been eight weeks since I've, I've had the operation, um, but the, sh- the, the shoulder's feeling great. The, my range is about 10% di- difference, which is quite incredible at this stage. Um, yeah, uh, I, I saw the specialist today. The bones fused back together. So yeah, everything's going very well. How did you do it? Oh, I think it's just a, a number of games that I've been playing with it now. I think my last eight games that were, really started bothering me. Um, so it was wear and tear rather than a specific incident yeah i think oh, there are a couple of times where that i can recall hurting it but then uh rehab with our, our doc yanni he's our biokineticist mm. kineticist um he he really knows how to sort out our shoulders and um but this this last time i just couldn't get it right and to lift my arm was quite quite a chore so yeah things and, we do and and ribs as well yeah, I think that's more, that was more painful than the shoulder, to be honest. Um, How did that happen? Thomas de Toy f- uh, fell on me against the, when we played that Curry Cup in Durban uh, game against the Sharks. So he he's not a small boy, and I think he'd he'd break <laughs> most guys' ribs. <laughs> Do you ever play fully fit? I'm talking about, I don't mean the beginning of a season, as you're halfway through a season. I remember once talking to a professional soccer player and he said, you look at a soccer team out there, nobody is fully fit. Everybody has got some niggle, injury, whatever. What's it like for professional rugby players today? I think the last time I played fully fit was um, 2017. Um, I I know this whole 2018 season I've been playing with a couple of niggles and stuff. Um, but it was 2017 Super Rugby and then my first couple of Springbok games and then after that uh, the wear and tear started um, but but yeah I, I don't think there are many rugby players that are fully fit. Do you take injections? I mean legal do you take painkillers when you go on the field? Yeah um, not really injections more more pain pills anti inflams that type of thing mm. uh, especially after a game um, but Definitely, yeah. I think most rugby players do. How is your spirit at the moment? I mean, suddenly, you know, you were you were Alistair Kutsia's main man, really, or one of the main men in there. Now Rassi has come in, things have changed. You were called up to the camp. I know you couldn't go on the uh, on the tour, etc. Have you sat down with Rassi? Has he said you're in his plans? What's the What's the state of play? Oh, Rassi's got quite a quite a big job. <laughs> Just managing players is is massive and. Um, yeah, look, he's he's brief, briefly spoken to me, um, but at the same time, we kept missing each other with meetings and stuff. Uh, it's quite the morning being head coach of, mm. of South Africa. So when you do get a chance to to speak to the players, I mean, I know they he spoke to the starting twenty three um, before that Australia test, and he was going to go through the the rest of the team the following week. But um, it was that New Zealand test that the, that the boys won. Um, and didn't get a chance to speak to him. So hopefully, hopefully next year or something, he'll he'll give me a shot. <laughs> do you know, Do you know him well? 
Um, I don't know him too well. Um, I got what's to, what's I, the buzz? Oh, sorry. I got to know him a bit, um, obviously now, uh, being part of the, mm. the, the Springboks and everything. And, you know, he's got South Africa's best interest at heart, especially when it comes to Springboks. Um, he's, it's, it's all about doing the best for the country. And he's really got the Springboks' best interest at heart. And I think he's, he's definitely the right man for the job. Um, he... he He's the type of guy that doesn't really care what happens to him as long as the Springboks do well, which is which is awesome. Um, I think you you definitely need a guy like that, and and he and he gets a team going, um, the the team together, um, which which was quite nice to see, and the, and the boys have quite a bit of respect for him. So is he is good. he organized? I mean, I know for example Joe Schmidt, who many are calling the best coach in the world mm-hmm. now his level of organization is almost ocd you know his his micromanagement is is incredible how how would rassi fare on that side yeah the the, the nice thing about rassi is um he's he's head coach and obviously he's got the final say in things um but at the same time he he allows his uh attack and defensive coach to to um obviously run their respective departments which is which is quite nice um obviously where he disagrees he'll step in and and um so give his two cents worth um but yeah he's he's really motivating when it comes up up to um just before the test matches and everything especially against new zealand i mean i don't know i've never seen a guy so passionate uh, leading up to the to the week of that test match is he a shouter? Is he a wall banger? Is he a, He's you know, is, 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 is that the sort of passion there or is it quiet no, and controlled? It's quiet. It's controlled. He's, he's relaxed. Um, it's, it was, yeah, it was actually quite, quite nice to see. Um, Coach Swayze is more of the, the passionate guy. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't shout, but I mean, like, you, yeah, he's, he's, he's very passionate, but Rassi is very um, controlled and yeah, he speaks nicely to the boys and, um, he, he he can get it uh, a bit emotional, but it's that passion coming through, which is nice. Is it a collective issue? Because in in my day, my day, I mean the ancient <laughs> ancient days, it was very much the coach was almost professorial uh, in in South Africa, but he was the god. He told you what to do, and you did it amongst yourselves. You might make plans but basically he told you what to do do you have an input into into tactics into the way things are done tell us you know take us behind the the, the scenes on that one definitely um especially the i mean pollard he's he's not he's not that old <laughs> but, mm. but i mean he's really probably one of the senior guys in the team alton he reminds me of johnny sexton actually yeah. similar very strong views and a dominant figure even from a young age Def- definitely and i mean even alton and a lot of the boys are are adding value when it comes to uh, how how we're going to play against New Zealand or Australia or obviously I wasn't on tour now with the guys mm. um but but yeah there a lot of it is coming from the players which is which is always nice because obviously um we're the ones on the field and we um we get uh given our game plan but the the nice thing is you've got so many options and if one thing's not working on the field, the guys have that that um, freedom to to change it up and 
um, use a different plan as to what's going to work. But you've got to have confidence, haven't you? Because, you know, especially when a team is perhaps not dominant, when a team is under pressure, then there's always that feeling, well, if I take it upon myself and it doesn't work, how do the good coaches deal with that dilemma? So the the nice thing is, um, I think there's a little bit of a prize to the guy that actually spots the space um, within the team. And that's in trainings, that's in the games, that's throughout everything. So um, it's not like like the old school South African rugby where you run, get the ball, run over the guy. Mm. Now he's trying to teach the boys to look up, identify space, play to where the space is, which is which is pretty nice. But sometimes to run over the guy and then offload leads to space, doesn't it? Didn't uh, Sonny Bill Williams teach us that? Yeah, no, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Um, but you've got to have the right guys around you running off the ball understanding which player is able to do that i mean if um yeah there, there are a couple of boys in the springbuck te- springbuck team that that can do that but you like i say you've got to have the guys around you that identify exactly what you're going to be doing what was it like playing for the lions in their absolute pump i mean i remember watching you take apart the hurricanes uh, in the semi-final at at uh, Ellis Park, I mean it was unbelievable, and I think it was one. I think it was was Ben Smith said it's the fastest game he's ever played in his life. I mean, from a guy like that, they were genuinely so impressed. And you got a feeling with the Lions at that stage that everybody was so confident, everybody was so um, optimistic, creative. They would take mm. risks, etc. What is it like playing in that sort of side? There's, first of all, there's no better feeling than running out onto a, a packed Ellis Park. Yeah. Um, that, that's, I know that. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that's incredible. Um, I, I, I honestly believe that there's no stadium for me um, better than that. Uh, I've played it in a couple now um, in Europe, in Australia, New Zealand, and the atmosphere and... Well, the noise, just, you come out of that yeah. tunnel, it's like a wall of sound, isn't it? Definitely. And, and also it's, it's a quick field, which is obviously suits the Lions game. Explain uh, that to people. Yeah, look, cheapers. Uh, I mean, we're busy with preseason at the moment. And uh, I mean, our, our, our fitness instructor, Cash, Ivan van Ren, he's... <laughs> uh, there's there's just a point where you think in the back of your mind okay this guy wants to improve every single year and the volume that we're doing is more and more and more like um when when is like that that tipping point gonna be because <laughs> the guys busy with preseason now are are really being pushed to the limits um, and he really makes sure that we we the fittest team in Super But explain rugby. the quick field. Explain that. I understand the fitness side of it, but what yeah. is a quick field? Is that the, the quality of the turf, the Definitely. short grass, hard hard turf? So, so I, was, I was leading into that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I'm excited to talk as an old scrum half no, to no, talk no. to a, a no, modern no. scrum half. No, no, definitely. So it's 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 a turf. I mean, it's it's incredible. It's, uh, it's more of a running field because... I'm trying to think of how to explain this now, but the yeah, like you say, the turf is absolutely perfect. It's mm. cut to a certain length that that us players quite enjoy, um, and they they come ask us before a game if it's short enough or if it's long enough. Uh, we like to to make sure that it's, that it's short because obviously with our fitness and everything, we we can run most t- teams um, third quarter, third, yeah, third quarter it opens yeah, up out, eh? out of the game, and that's what happened uh, in that semi final you're talking about against the Hurricanes. Um, we literally ran away with it at the end there because 
uh, obviously our fitness, but at the same time, uh, altitude also helps us. And that's why I say it's also quite a fast field. The ball goes um, a lot further, passing, kicking, absolutely everything. So just the speed of the game is lifted. And if we try to lift that intensity at the same time, um, it's very hard to stay with us. Tell us about the, I mean, the revolution, the Lions revolution was unbelievable. They were a joke. I mean, I remember the absolute nadir was 2009 against the British Lions when they lost by 70 points in front of an empty Ellis Park. Mm. They had pathetic amateur acrobat. I mean, the whole thing just was third rate, not even Mm -hmm. second rate. And in a few short years, you know, they're perhaps the second best provincial side in the world. I mean, you, you were a large part of that. What was it like going through that adventure? Yeah, look, I mean, we went through our, our lows to start off with. I joined up with the Lions in 2012 um, after you know, playing against them in the Curry Cup final where they beat the Sharks. I was playing for the Sharks at I'd the time. I'd forgotten that, yeah. <laughs> I'd forgotten that I was so, there. So I was shaking the guys' hands after and they're like, welcome to the Lions. Um, and I'd, I remember it clearly. I had um, Bismarck in front of me and Yanni Duplessis behind me. And yeah, no, I was a bit, I was a bit like, <laughs> oh shit, oh, excuse my language. <laughs> but yeah, so I was a, I was a, a youngster coming through the Sharks um, ranks at the stage and then joining up with the Lions. Uh, How did that come about? So, oh, I mean, I know you're from Johannesburg originally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I was... Started for the Sharks the first couple of six Curry Cup games, and I think I got man of the match three times. And then I went from starting to not even in the in the twenty two at the time. Who came in? Remind us. So Shaw was with the Springboks. Oh yeah, yeah. And I was I was happy about that, and then um, dropped out of the to to obviously third choice, and came back, got man of the match again. Shaw came back from the Springboks, and then out out of the twenty twenty two. And yeah, then I was just like, okay, I don't really know where I stand here and decided my brother's going to the Lions, my family's here in Joburg. Mm. Let me let me give it a give it a go here and honestly one of the, the greatest decisions ever. So but give me more. I mean, do you approach them? Do you pick up a phone? Does your agent pick up a phone? Do you say, look, I'm thinking of it, what can you do? How does it work? G- give us more of the negotiation. Yeah, so um the Sharks at the time told both my brother and myself that they weren't gonna re resign our, our contracts. So How did that feel? No, um, I mean that's failure. Yeah, hundred percent, definitely. Um, and if if you have a look at most, the majority of the guys that 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 are at the Lions now came through, um, that have been playing for, for the last couple of years. Um, almost I reckon ninety ninety five percent of the guys were told that they're not going to have their contracts resigned. Yeah, and the Lions snapped them up, and um, yeah, uh, they managed to to turn. A bunch of ordinary guys into uh, this this incredible team that works together. Did they give you a, a sense of vision? I mean, did they sell you a vision that you bought into, or was it a case of I've been dropped from the Sharks, I just need to go somewhere? No. Um, ugh, look, uh, we we had. I'm trying to think if I had other offers at the time, um, but I think I just wanted to move back to Joburg mm. um, to be closer to the family. My, my my cousins have farms up north that I love going to. Mm. So, yeah, and then um, the the opportunity came and 
I don't know. I just wanted it wanted a change. Durban was a very small town. Um, was that John Mitchell, uh, or, or, or was it, or, 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 or was it Ackerman? Was John Mitchell yeah. at the time? And Persuasive man, yeah. Yeah, he he got myself and my brother there, and um, yeah, that was interesting at the time, but but good, good. Why, good why do you decision. smile and say it was interesting? It was no, a culture was, shock, John Mitchell. <laughs> no, no, no. He's actually to to me he was he was a very nice guy. Um, I, I can't really say anything bad about him in terms of how he, how he treated me. Mm. Um, how he but treated he lost me. it with the team, didn't he? At yeah. the end, yeah, no, definitely. And I think he would admit that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, there, there are definitely some guys that will will speak a lot different about him to you, but um, didn't do much wrong to me. And uh, he's he's a, he's a great rugby mind. Uh, I just don't think he he could stay at a union for for that long um there's only a certain amount that that players can can tolerate and yeah. i think that's exactly what happened did you clash with him at all no because no. some did i mean we've had people on the sport exchange podcast who said that they, it came to a stage where they where they couldn't do it did, did, did does a team have spokespeople obviously you've got your captain so do, do, do you have people yes. who can go and and say look this is the way the team are feeling so, take us into that no, uh, definitely. Side of things. You, generally you've got your senior group that represents the team and speaks openly to the coaches um and that that's been that's been very evident at the at the lines at the moment and um yeah uh generally if there's an issue with how training's been if we're training too long mm. hours then those then the, the the players can approach those guys and those guys will go to the coaches on behalf of the and team. can they say anything are they i mean they're told presumably don't bottle it up and talk it behind the closed so, doors so, come up can so you do I, it that way i wasn't part of that group yeah. <laughs> when when mitch was around but um so i don't know if the senior players did speak openly to him uh because yeah like I mean, I played under him for a year, and then and then he was asked to to leave. But he, now at the Lions, with Coach Aki's coach Coach Swayze, I mean, it was no matter it, it, no matter who you were, you could go speak openly to them. Um, and if the senior guys thought that we were overtraining, undertraining, we we'd go to them and say, "Okay, this is how we feel," you know. So yeah. How how are the Lions looking now going forward? Because you've got a number of, I mean, in, in Alistair's time, he sort of almost put the Lions in, based the Springboks on the Lions, limited success. You know, we saw Elton looking like a, like a, I mean, a chicken without a head at one stage. And I don't mean to be unkind to him because I'm a big fan. Obviously, things didn't work. Now a lot of those Lions Springboks are out and perhaps looking for greener pastures overseas. How is that going to affect the Lions, do you think? Yeah, it'll definitely affect the Lions. Um I mean, we've lost we've lost some some key players. You have a look at our, our front row: Jacques Van Ruyen's gone, uh, Ron Dre. I mean, those yeah. those guys got us go forward. They got us um, countless penalties. You know, so they they definitely a big loss. Franco Mostert. I mean, uh, he was the absolute pillar of the pack, wasn't so he? The, the engine on that guy yeah. is incredible. He, I mean, if if I was uh, choosing a team, he'd be the first guy I'd I'd pin in. Mm. Um, and then obviously, obviously, Yaku Creel is a big loss, and yeah. Ron Janssen van Rensburg off to sell. So go through the names, yeah. I mean, those, those guys are big time players, and the the experience that we've lost is is massive. But at the same time, we've got very exciting youngsters coming through. Were you were you tempted to go? 
overseas and, and say, look, you know, at your age, you're married with a family, etc. You've got business. We'll talk about that uh, as well. Were you tempted to go overseas? Yeah, um, obviously, the, the money is incredible if you go overseas. But at the same time, just started up uh, um, two businesses. So I want to get that. Two businesses. I know you've got the wedding venue, which is called Ground. Is yeah, that right? So we've got the wedding venue, Ground, and the restaurant, Ground. Okay, that's falls under one breath. Yeah. Uh, Ground Cafe. That, that falls under under one business. Um, I've actually just bought the farm next door, my, next door to my parents. And, oh, fantastic. Uh, Where's that? In the cradle. As yeah. Well. Yeah. Fantastic. In the cradle of humankind. And yeah, I'm quite excited to get stuck in there. I'm, I'm going to be putting up a, a bit of accommodation. I mean, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful farm, um, 64 hectares. So I want to put up accommodation there and then eventually subdivide one or two plots, a couple of plots. Um, Fantastic. And sell that off and then start farming pecanuts or something like that. Where do people get details if they want to find out about either of the businesses? Um, so Ground, at the moment, we've got our Facebook book page um, and Ground Cafe, obviously, too. But we are busy with a, a website at the moment and all information and, and that will be up shortly. But you can find us on Facebook at the moment. And do you enjoy the business side of things? At the moment, so I started off uh, being quite hands-on with the business. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it became a bit too much. Uh, I was neglecting my rugby a little bit. So uh, I handed over to my sister and my wife. They, they're running it full time at the moment. And then keep it in the family. Yeah, definitely. And uh, someone, someone who you can, who you can trust. So my wife's very good from a business side of things. And my sister from a sales and um, she's not the, the, <laughs> the best when it comes to organization, but she, she can sell anything. And yeah. Yeah. They, they're a great team at the moment. Um, but, but yeah, it's, for me, I was neglecting my rugby and I, I needed to focus more on that. Um, that's that's my livelihood for the next five years and then I'm done with rugby. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wonder, how is your brother? Because I first heard of you uh, when, you know, my, Michael House had this team that the whole country was talking about and there was a winger, Combrink, and there was Pat Lambie was the star and there were the two Blondie twins, etc. I mean, it was an extraordinary that, that the four of you were just thrown together at the one time. I mean, that must have been unbelievable, that, that experience. Yeah, I mean, if you have a look at our, our back line, it was myself, nine, my brother, ten, uh, Combrink, left wing, uh, both centers played Cravenwick and played uh, junior level, so under 21 yeah. uh, provincial. And then we had Mark Richards on the... That's he, right, he sevens, played, I remember him for the sevens. Yeah. Sevens and then Pat Lambie at fullback. And oh my goodness. So so we had a killer backline. Um, and yeah, still some of the best rugby I've ever played in my life. And then your brother, who many thought, you know, was sort of on a par with you putting it that way, and then suddenly got cancer. Yeah, uh, so... Unfortunately, at the Sharks, he injured his foot. Mm. And that was when his rugby started taking a dip. He never quite recovered from it. He had speed. A, speed. He had a step. He had an acceleration yeah. of, uh, yeah. No, and he, and he for, for a small guy, he put some massive hits in. Uh, I remember when he played the British and Irish Lions, uh, Jamie Roberts, the center. Oh, yeah, the Welsh center, yeah. He, he, he ran at my brother, and my brother absolutely pumped him and for, for a small guy like yeah. that I mean it was quite in, quite incredible um, but yeah so ever since that I think he was 21 
when it, when it happened, he, and he was never quite the the same rugby player. But but he he carried on and played for uh, Zim, didn't he? Yeah, played for yeah. Zim. So he always tunes me that he's the first international in the team <laughs> uh, in our family. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, he. When did you hear he had cancer? I think. Do you remember the moment? Yeah, um, I heard through my mum and dad, and tried to get hold of him, and he was quite quite upset because it was it was quite serious. So he melanoma. Melanoma, but he had stage four, which wow. was yeah. And no hint of that beforehand. Nothing. So um, he went for a test on his on his one mole and came back positive. Had it cut out and everything was fine and spread up into his groin. And yeah, he he went and got everything removed. Uh, so it only spread to a certain area, which was yeah, incredible. Yeah. Got everything removed. Went on uh, a specific treatment from from the US, which was incredible. Um, yeah, and he's very healthy today. Got a got a baby boy, living in Durban, very chilled life. Fantastic, you know, Durbs. Very, and very and nice I mean, you're twins, eh? Is that yes. right? I mean, even though you're a little bit bigger than than, than he is, and so on. And and I remember we spoke to uh, uh, Akona in Dingani, and he was talking about twins. They said whenever his brother gets sick, he gets sick. You know, there's there's there's, there's that <laughs> there's that almost mystical bond between twins. Did you have anything like that? We we actually did. So. Um, I had chicken pox from waist up. He had chicken pox from the waist down. Uh, he went in for his appendix two days later, emergency appendix. Two days later, I had to go in for mine. You're kidding. Um, what else now? There's a, there's a whole bunch of things that have happened to Well, I hope, I hope that trend doesn't continue with the, with the melanoma. No, definitely. So, did, I mean, after that happened, it must have been a, a, almost a reality check for you. Did the, you get yourself checked out? And I go every six months to you. Is it? Yeah. No, it's vital, and and everybody should actually go at least yeah. once a year. So, yeah, because it's something. I mean, you go to Australia; every second person is obsessed with skin cancer. Yet in South yeah. Africa, we hardly mention it. Hey? Yeah. It's, it really is something. Maybe a a project to get involved in, isn't it? Definitely, and yeah. I I actually quite get um quite like to get involved. Uh, I I do um always give a whenever someone asks me for a jersey when it comes to cancer or something like that because it's quite hot close to our hearts now yeah um yeah i, I always seem to try how part where i can Go, going to a school like michael house which is i mean it's a world-class school and school and my three grandsons who live in england are down for michael house i'm proud i'm proud to say i've spoken at them i guess just a wonderful wonderful place without being unkind you almost think that that the kids are preferred professions, you know, doctor, accountant, engineer, rather than rugby, etc. Did you decide early on you wanted a professional rugby career, and how did the school adapt to that? Um, look, I mean, or is it unfair? Would you now say that a sport as a profession is something that a, a school like Michael House would take seriously as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, especially in the last couple of years, there we've had what four four Springboks in mm. in. Yeah, so and I played. I was lucky to play with each and every one of them. Um, But yeah, uh, my class sports is. We we have our years where we incredible, and then our years where um, we 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 can do a bit better. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's an unbelievably great sporting school. Um, I I think we we taken lightly sometimes by by other schools. And then we just give them a, a bit of a surprise every now and then. Uh, but <laughs> and tell us about the Hilton game. That must be very special. I've never been to one. Sure. No, that's, that is 
probably one of the best games of rugby you'll ever play. Uh, running out, what, 10, 15, 20,000 people. I, I can't remember, but yeah, yeah packed, packed stadium. Incredible. And how did you do against them your year? So, <laughs> I think we hold the record. I think we beat them 40 nil. Oh, my word. And the second game was 44-17 or 16. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of preparation, obviously you, you, you were very, very dedicated. You wanted to have this rugby career and you had an incredible mm. career. At all stages, did you have parallel thoughts about life after rugby? Because I was an amateur player, but, but as a professional, you understand you're only one a broken leg away from the end of a, end of a career. So I, wish, I actually wish somebody get, uh, gave me a bit more advice when I was younger. Um, I think I was living day to day where I could have been doing a lot more. Mm. Uh, I only started re- realizing that there's life after rugby when I was 20, 25. And mm. to be honest, that's, that's a bit too late. Uh, so what would you have done? Studied? So, so I, I mean, I, I started studying BCom and got to my second year. And then when, you, when you're playing full-time rugby, mm, it's, it's impossible. It's not impossible. I mean, there, there are a lot of guys that do it, but mm. it is very difficult. So you, you've got to either have um, a rugby life and studies or a rugby life and a social life. Yeah. And I think at that time I was young and I just wanted to enjoy myself a bit and live life to the full. Uh, so I, I did a diploma after um, now when I arrived in, in Joburg. My uncle actually helped us out with that and we did it through his company. What diploma in what? No, project management. Oh, right. Good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I, I would recommend that, that guys do study. But at the same time, when you're earning the money that you do, especially some of these youngsters coming through are really earning some great money. Yeah. They can seriously set themselves up properly. I know a lot the, of them are spending it though as well. I know the, looking at some of the cars and so on, no disrespect, but no, uh, no, no. you yeah, want, yeah. you wonder sometimes are these kids, you know, heading for disaster? hundred percent. And I, I try to give the guys as much advice as I can, especially the youngsters. I mean, um, a huge role model for youngsters. You, you have a look at, your Malcolm Marks and Carl Brink. Yeah. They've started up a company together and it's actually just taken off and they're doing ext- extremely well. And th- what are they, 23 years old at the moment. So yeah. so I, I wish I had a little bit of advice like that when I was when but I was. how do you age. tell a 20-year-old who's living the dream that he's got to think of basically his retirement, you know? It's, it's a tough message to get across, isn't it? Definitely, but I, I still believe that you can enjoy life and um, start up you you're earning enough money to to do that mm. so you can definitely start a business up or invest into something even if you start if, if there's five or six of you that start an investment club or something um there's there's so many different ways of, mm. of doing it uh, Stockfeld. Do, yeah. do players do that? Because I know the Irish, some of the Irish players, the Leinster players mm. got together and bought pubs together and, you know, work it. And, and it's, it's working out pretty well. I mean, Stockfell is a fairly good model to, to so, use, isn't it? So I, I don't know too many rugby boys that, that are doing it at the moment, but my, my cousin actually got roped me into his investment club that, they, that we all started up. And yeah, we're not doing too badly thanks to Bitcoin, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, 
But yeah. I hope you sold at the right time, did you? Uh, not quite at the right time, but I mean, we... You're out of it. We, we've we made a bit of money and yeah. we're still holding on to one or two. So it's it's not bad. Tell us about your try on debut for the Springboks. I mean, against France. It was such an amazing try. Talk us through it. Yeah, sure. Um, I remember it. Because I looked there with clearly. jealousy. I looked and said, why, <laughs> did, why didn't I do something like that? <laughs> um, no. Oh. Warren was captain at the time and he no- he noticed that they've just got a yellow card and the fullback was sent off. Mm. So, or they, they one wing or fullback. So there was a bit of space behind and we just had to cut the line. So he called this one specific move where the ball gets thrown over the line out. And he, as he got it, uh, I knew, okay, I'm in here because he offloaded to me and off I went. went. Thank goodness that prop that was chasing me didn't reel me in because <laughs> that would have been a bit embarrassing. <laughs> But how did it feel the moment you crossed the line? Not alone have you got your Springbok colours, but you've scored on debut. Very few people do that. So I remember the um, France Stain just running up to me and like flipping, grabbing me, and within seconds the whole team was was, yeah, was yeah. around me. And yeah, like I didn't I, I didn't even hear the crowd at the time because the the, the guys that were on the field were just there flipping. It was incredible. And and you and Faf, how do you get on? So Faf's actually one of my very good friends. Um, yeah. And no, yet he's your closest rival for years, both Springbok and, and Lions. Yeah, the, the, the nice thing is when we're at the Lions, I mean, if he was starting, I would support him. And if I was, I was starting, mm. he would support me. And at the end of the day, it was all about the team and what was best for the team. And... You know, off off the field, on the field we we mates. Off the field we mates, and he's actually a top top quality guy. The fact that his game has gone up a notch since he went to England, that you must have noticed that. Yeah, um, he's playing great rugby at the moment. I think he's he's matured a lot. Um, uh, when when before he he was overseas, he would do one or two irrational things yeah, yeah. and. I really think playing in England, I mean, if you give the ball away, then you're going to be punished because they, they know how to keep the ball. So he's really grown as a player and I think it was a great move for him going going overseas. Fantastic. Tell us something about uh, Ross Cronier that nobody knows. About me? Yeah. Jeez. Come on, tell us something. About, or even though you're found. Give us something. Give us an insight that that maybe you don't normally I'm, share. I'm quite an open guy. Um, I'm a very open book. So there, there's not much that people don't know, but I love I love a beer with the boys. Yeah, um, yeah. Back back in my day, I, <laughs> I was quite naughty when I was a youngster. Um, I think I think I was judged what I did off the field a little bit more. Yeah. Than what I did on the field, and and that's one thing I've loved about coming to the Lions. Um, is the coaches don't really care what you do off the field as long as you you perform. So I uh, yeah, still to this day I I will smash a couple beers before <laughs> before my first Springbok game. I was I was actually quite nervous. So the Friday night uh, I, I usually go out for dinner and have yeah. two three beers the night before a game. But yeah, I was a bit nervous this night. So I had about five beers and a glass of wine and. Um, <laughs> A Don Pedro to just top it off, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, look, I, d- d- I don't think. Well, it obviously worked, didn't it? Yeah, I don't think it it affects me that much. Obviously, yeah. it affects some people, but yeah. 
Sounds like you're, you've got your head screwed on. We wish you well with the injuries and your career both on and off the field. Ross, thanks very much for talking to us. Thanks so much for having me. Ross Cornier, what a well-balanced guy who likes his beer as well. Thanks as usual to Slow in the City for hosting us. Follow us on social media or subscribe via your favorite podcast app for updates. See you next time on the Sport Exchange Podcast. Cheers from John Robbie. Thank you.